Welcome to Between Two Runners, a podcast with a focus on the Gainesville, Florida running scene and beyond and beyond and beyond. Let's get into the show. Welcome to Between Two Runners, my guest today, all the way from the other side of Gainesville, Fitz Kohler. Hey there. Good day, Fitz. Good day to you. How's it going? So good. Now, for people that don't know Fitz, uh, she's a fitness expert, uh, kickboxer, race announcer, accomplished writer, runner, partner to Rudy, wife to Rob, the pretty boy on the force. That's right. A mom to two humans, a dog, and a duck. Kinda, yeah. So retired kickboxer and now two dogs. Sadly, no more duck. My research department is so fired, by the way. Oh no, what happened to Handy? Handy passed. And that's a tragic <sighs> tale that is told in my book. But uh, but yeah, she's still in my heart, man. I miss that duck every day. Was that your emotional support duck for some she time? Was. You know what's so interesting is this emotional support animal thing is uh, not a farce. And we brought her into our home before I was diagnosed with breast cancer. But, you know, she and my dog were these great sources of comfort and fun and just joy. You know, I think when things are hard, it makes sense to have as much joy in your life as possible and leave it to animals for being the perfect pick-me-up for any any occasion. They're, they were the best. So let's go back to the early days. Were you always noisy? Did you come out of the womb with a microphone? I did. Doing some calisthenics? I did. It's funny. I'm an oops baby. I'm six and nine years behind my siblings, but my mom always said, um, you're the happiest one because you were conceived at Disney World. And, and so while that's kind of upsetting information to be shared. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Mom. Yeah, yeah, but happy and noisy and, you know, nothing about me has changed. I think maybe a, a little maturity has edited me mm. um, from the good old days, but yeah, I was I was born this way, which right. I appreciate. Uh, speaking of Disney, you met your partner back in 2013, I believe it was, at a Disney race. Yeah, so the other half of Team Noisy, Rudy Novotny, who is beloved by the running community, rightfully so, and he is my favorite announcer, but I was teaching clinics for Run Disney as their fitness expert, so uh, strength training for runners and pain prevention and management for runners and things of the sort, but Rudy, besides announcing the races, he was working the expo, the speaker series, and his job was to introduce the speakers as they came up, and, you know, at the end of every day, he'd grab me and say, hey, listen, we have all these people who come and talk. You're our only real speaker. I love how engaged your audiences are. I mean, you're our only real speaker. And he kept saying that over and over, which was very flattering. And then finally I said, hey, I don't know what to do with this information anymore. He goes, you know what? I know I need a co-announcer for Racing California in a few months. Are you interested? And I said, well, I've never done it before, but I'd love to give it a go. And so he showed me the ropes, and it was very complimentary to the work I had already been doing for many years. And uh, that was the Orange County Marathon 2014. And I'm so grateful for it because between Rudy and that race director, Gary Kutcher, my career took this very interesting fork in the road, and I'm so 
desperately grateful for that. I love race announcing. The running community is by far the best thing on the planet, and I'm, I'm so fortunate to do what I do. Absolutely. Now, why were you in a boot at that, uh, that event? Oh, that's so funny. Uh, I had tendonitis from, you guessed it, running. Running too much <laughs> and ignoring it and running through pain and... And then I ended up in that stupid boot for several months. The stupid stinky boot. Because as everybody knows, if you wear the boots long enough, mm-hmm. they smell real bad. This is true. Mm-hmm. Now, do you remember the early days when you first started lacing up and considering yourself a runner? You know, what's interesting is running has always been a part of my life. I mean, I played soccer as a kid, and I started teaching fitness at 14, and running was a weight loss tool. I haven't always been a lean person. I was 40 something pounds heavier at the end of high school and the beginning of college. And so, yeah, I always ran for fitness and I don't really think I started racing until, I mean, who knows, maybe 2004, 2005, uh, but boy, do I love it. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I've always been a runner, right? Huh? I, I don't think there has to be these qualifications. If you are someone who puts on the shoes, or even if you don't, and you go out and you lift your knees and you propel yourself off the ground, you're a runner, right? Absolutely. I've, I've met people along the way that uh, because they don't consider themselves fast enough or they don't have the right pair of shoes that I'm not a legit runner. But I'm like, as long as you get out the door and put one foot in front of the other, you're a runner in my book. Yeah, I think it's very interesting that people do that stuff to themselves. They uh, People are mean to themselves. They're meaner to themselves than they would ever let anyone be to their friends. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if, if, if you run at all, you're a runner. Have you ever had to deal with negative self-talk with yourself? Oh my gosh, I had a full-blown eating disorder. So I had a mean, horrible older sister, and believe it or not, in her 50s, she's still mean and horrible. But um, yeah, I grew up and every day she would walk by me and say, you're fat and you suck at soccer. You're fat and you suck at soccer. That was her mantra. And so even though I was a little bit of a string bean back then, I ended up with an eating disorder in my teens. and. I, I grew up, my mother and my sister were constantly saying things, you know, picking on themselves, saying, oh, I'm fat, I look fat, I look fat. And it just, it became something that I started doing to myself because that was the culture of our family. And finally, when I came up to the uni- University of Florida, I lived next to this girl who was a beautiful girl with a great physique, very pretty, very lovely. But she was always coming into my room saying, do I look fat in this? Do I look fat in this? And at first I would respond, no, of course not. And then it became really annoying. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I'm being that annoying. I will never do that ever again. And so um, her bad example led the way for me to stop brutalizing myself and, and just, you know, be a little more forgiving. Do I work harder to improve all the time? Absolutely, but I never berate myself. That's a wonderful lesson. Yeah. So you're going along, you're doing everything right. You've, you're eating clean, you're exercising. You go in for a mammogram at the end of uh, 2018. It's completely clean. Yep. And February of the next year, what happens at Disney? Yeah, so six weeks after that clean mammos, mammogram, I get out of the shower at a race weekend and I rub my underboob. And everybody knows what the underboob is, but I had an itch and I scratched and I felt it. It felt like there was a black bean on the lower left corner of my left breast and instantly I knew it. I just knew, oh, damn it, there it is. And so um, the big le- learning lesson based on my good behavior is for folks not to hem and haw about it, not to 
check Google, call your mom, call your friends and cry. What I did immediately was the right thing. I picked up my cell phone in that bathroom while still naked and I called the gyno and I said, hey, I found a lump. And that sent a chain of events in motion that got me a very quick diagnosis. Did your fitness background sort of inform how you you tackled this event? Uh, Well, you know, for Forever, I've always been preaching self-exams and annual exams of all sorts. And yeah, I'm a take action type of person in general. I mean, when your body sends out these red flags, these alarms, you should pay attention to them. And my thought process always had been if just one cancer cell shows up on my body, I want to know about it and I want to kick it in the butt right away. And so there it was. And I wasn't going to wait. I can't imagine Uh, I mean, even though I did have to sleep many nights without knowing, I can't imagine being a person that's letting this mass grow in your body for months at a time and ignoring it. I just, it's not how I operate. And you went through this for 15 months. I had 15 months of of treatment. I have 15 months of chemo. And within those 15 months of chemo, I had 33 rounds of radiation and surgery. And your first race back was the LA Marathon, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So I was diagnosed at the end of February and I started chemo, I think, May 10th. No, no, I'm sorry, March 10th or 11th, something like that. And then about a week and a half later, after my first round of chemo, uh, Los Angeles Marathon, my largest event of the year, was on the schedule. And, you know, uh, up front, everybody should know that taking time off was never a consideration. I never once thought, gee whiz, I have cancer, I'm going to get chemo, I should give up my events. What I thought was, I have earned my rightful spot on those stages. These Mm -hmm. events light up my life. They make me so happy. I adore my runners. I am not missing out. And I I knew if I did give up Big Sur Marathon or whatever, Mm -hmm. and I stayed home, I would just cry all weekend. I just thought, that's not an option. So no matter what happens to me, I'm going to figure out a way to get there. And I did. And so LA Marathon, it turned out to be quite an eventful experience. Yeah, you mentioned in the book that that was probably your hardest day. Well, it was one of the hardest days for sure. That's when my my hair started falling out. And I had long, almost waist length hair. And I loved it. I mean, it didn't define me. And some people say, oh, it was your signature. No, my signature is my knowledge and my delivery and my noisiness and, you know, the love I give people. But yeah, I did adore my hair. And it, of course, started falling out the night or two before Los Angeles. And so I I lost thousands of hairs while at the finish line of the LA Marathon. And it was, it was gut-wrenching. It was crazy because as people were coming in, if I was on the microphone speaking, there was legitimate joy in my heart and coming out of my mouth. And none of the runners knew what was going on. Uh, but if I pulled off the mic and Rudy spoke, instant tears because my stage was covered with long blonde hair, big black stage, long blonde hair everywhere. It was, it was chaos. It's really, oy, <laughs> it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to describe the scene. Mm-hmm. But at some point during that race, I actually thought, I wish I could get a person with a, a hairstylist with a razor to come just shave my head. It was, it was crazy. You mentioned that uh, that you're not a fan of discussing the the hair outside of your son Parker saying you would look cute bald. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't like talking about the hair thing, but yeah, when I when I told my kids about my diagnosis, you know, Ginger, she was 16 at the time. She just sobbed 
or she was 15, I think. She just sobbed. It was heartbreaking, and as rightfully so. And then I told my son, he was 14, and he handled it very peacefully. And instead of crying, he just said, you know what, Mom, I think you're going to look cute bald. And that that was kind of what I needed at the time. He's My kids are so great. So great. Pink ribbons. Let's discuss this for a second. <laughs> okay. Or let's not discuss this. Uh, you say that they don't deserve a spot on your body. Yeah, you know, everyone takes their own path, makes their own decisions. And what I find for most cancer patients is they instantly get the gear, you know, they get their, their breast cancer or colon cancer hat and their pink clothes and all the ribbons. And that becomes who they are. And, and, and that comforts them and gives them strength in it. And kudos to that. But I, I instantly, even though I had worn many pink ribbons before my diagnosis to support friends, the thought of it made me recoil. I just thought, no effing way. This disease is not who I am. And I, it, and, and I instantly got that port, right? They instantly cut me open and put this weird thing. And I just thought, no, cancer gets no more um, space on my chest. No more and, real estate. Yeah, no more. And, and so I, <laughs> it's funny. I hadn't worn any pink ribbons since my diagnosis. I just, again, I, they make me recoil. Although I appreciate the research and the, you know, the support but I just announced the Donna National Breast Cancer to finish breast uh, National Marathon to finish breast cancer in Jacksonville last week. Yeah, and so their one of their symbols is a running pink ribbon, and so it's the first time I put it on. But but it felt okay because I wasn't putting it on and will be like I'm a warrior and yay breast cancer. Um, I wore a shirt that I would normally wear for race announcing, so that one didn't bother me. But you know what it's it's a weird hill to die on but so far <laughs> i i just yeah i i'm not the one with the warrior shirt and the pink ribbon i just ugh no. gotcha uh your friend babs uh you gave her her medal at uh, at the donna yeah. and she also in return gave you your medal at boston i believe yeah 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 so i have i have run a ton of half marathons um, but my very first marathon was October of 21. I was lured into it. I was I was requested, will you run? And I first I thought, I hate you for asking. And then I thought, well, you know what? <laughs> Compared to cancer, how hard could this thing be? So I did go run Boston in 21 and got my medals. And then mm -hmm. I, I met Babs, this ambassador for the Donna at the finish line. Oh no, I met her at a party before the race weekend. And we were talking and I told her who I ran with. I said, I ran ran with the guy who owns the Boston Buddies Running Club, Vince. And she goes, you ran with him? I said, I did. She goes, oh, I put the medal on him at Boston. I said, really? And so I went in my phone and dug up my photos and there she was. So um, I committed to returning the favor last weekend and I, I was able to give her her medal for both the 5K and the half marathon, which was pretty cool. That uh, That's a nice 360 there. So... Let's talk about being naked in an airport. Mm-hmm. I was. Is that a good way to uh, avert some sort of crisis? It is. You know what? I mean, I don't know how many people voluntarily get naked in an airport, but it suited me. <laughs> so, so what you're referring to, and I don't yes. even know if we've mentioned it. My book is called My Noisy Cancer Comeback, and it really uh, details the insanity I experienced when breast cancer collided with race announcing and all these wacky things that happened during travel and, you know, hosting 30,000 people and the day my eyelashes were falling out or whatever. So, so yeah, I'm in the airport and I was on another delay and I, 
I could be wrong, but I think I took about 30 different trips while undergoing chemo and all the stuff. And so flight was delayed as per usual. And I'm stuck in Atlanta airport. And I finally get the, the genius idea that, you know what? I was told there's a shower in one of these Delta Sky lounges. And I'm a I'm a platinum medallion member, Rob. So Yes. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> That's right. I'm kind of a big deal. So I thought, well, let me go find this thing. That would be a fun way to kill time. And uh, it was. Man, there were big, beautiful showers, red-tiled walls. I got in there, and me and my bald head, you know, that's the other beauty of the bald head is you could just sink your head under the water and then dry it off like a plastic bowl. It's a it's a fast-dry process. But, yeah, I was in the shower listening to Garth Brooks and just planning on staying in there for quite a long time. And, um, and then the buzzer started going, the alarm in the airport. And I thought, oh, gosh, what is going on out there? And... You know, should I get out? You know, I really contemplated maybe I should get out and go see what's going on. And then I just thought, you know what? If there is some sort of active shooter situation in the airport, what are the odds that this person's going to leave the terminal, fly through the Delta Sky Lane lounge, and start looking for the shower people? So (laughs) I did decide that I was probably just safer staying put. And I figured if there were a fire or something, perhaps someone would come and knock. So. Um, so yeah, naked in the airport, and I never did find out why the alarm went off, but uh, it, it was funny. It was a very funny situation. You know, you you figure things out as you go, don't you? You do indeed. Uh, speaking of uh, finding things out, did you ever find the bird that accosted you that that one afternoon? Oh, I did not. I did not, and I can tell you that. Um, being pooped on my face uh, was not a new experience. So I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> went to the beach a lot, and uh, the seagulls were drawn to me in a very unpleasant way. And my best friend used to always laugh at me. She has a nice face. Oh, I know. <laughs> let's, let's mark that one. Let's yeah. own her. So, yes. So, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, and. With the book, you know, I, I I got real about the hardships and the sickness and and the weird constant changing, the things that were happening to my body which were unpleasant. But then there were some of these moments, and uh, I was walking down the street, and my neighbor, um, her husband had just committed suicide a few months prior, which is nightmare. And um, you know, while everyone tried to fix things for her, and people had tried to fix my situation with words i mean everyone was so nice and caring so i appreciated that but when beth and i would see each other and i was sick and bald and uh she was grieving and we we never tried to fix each other we just kind of commiserated with our our just eyes like okay this sucks but keep going and that one day i was walking out for exercise and i got in front of her house said hi beth she said hi and then i don't know two seconds later bam i just got hit in the face and i thought my god are you kidding me and i looked over i said beth is there a poop on my face and she's like yes there is and we buckled over we died laughing and Uh i could not be more grateful to that bird for crapping on my face because we just needed it so badly you know it was this super funny thing we shared she finally said do you want paper towels i was like yes um but i i don't know i think i probably wore the poop on my face for another five ten minutes because we were laughing so hard so yeah. um i think i probably owe that bird a big thank you don't you think yeah that was sort of a nice little reset 
Yeah. A palate cleanser. And that's kind of the way my experience went. That's how the books go. It's, you know, something really hard happens and then something really light and funny happens. And, you know, I think you got to look for those silver linings. And I always do. So I was able to have some real happy moments, um, some very dark days. It's Mm -hmm. choices. It's all about those choices. Mm -hmm. And sometimes food choices, too, uh, especially going through chemo. There were certain things that would sit well with you, uh, like Lucky Charms and oat milk. What's your relationship with Lucky Charms these days? Well, I'm finally done with Lucky Charms. But, yeah, I mean, my almost immediately my taste buds went and I thought it was the food I was eating was bad, and it, and then it dawned on me, oh no, that's what happens. And and the I had HER2 positive breast cancer, which means it was a very fast growing cancer, which is why I ended up with a sizey mass and at least three infected, three cancerous lymph nodes within six weeks of a clean mammogram. So this thing was on the move out to get me, and the drugs they gave me were designed to kill your quickly duplicating cells, which were the cancer cells, but also things like your hair and the pink parts of your body, the inner lining that sheds and replaces itself very quickly. And so, yeah, the, the taste buds were the first to go and I ended up and, and I lost a lot of weight and I ended up with this weird little uh, menu. It was guacamole, kind bars, tangerines and lucky charms and that's basically all i ate for a very very long time and i think i just gave up the kind bars like a month ago rob it's been (laughs) a very weird time i'm still devouring guacamole and tangerines but yeah yeah my 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 taste buds my stomach i believe has been permanently altered but on the good Mm -hmm. news i no longer have a a craving for sweets i'm more of a salty person so Um, yeah, I think the Bagel Bakery on 16th, I used to go in there and get a, ba- a muffin all the time, and I haven't bought a muffin in a couple of years now, so they're probably they're probably going out of business soon because of me. <laughs> like, where's Fence? That's right. We're going bankrupt without her. <laughs> Can you explain the phenomenon uh, of chemo brain and how that works? Yeah, uh, interesting. And I've always prided myself on my intellect. I think that's an important thing, right? And I have a master's degree and I felt like a very highly functioning adult. And then, you know, I started asking my family, it would be, what what day is today? And then Mm. four minutes later, what day is today? And it was just, I would get stuck on things, started getting easily confused, very forgetful. And that has lasted, golly, a very long time. So uh, on the bright side for me, I almost never lost anything professionally. So I was able to keep my head on my shoulders. And as a speaker, that became a little uh, nerve wracking because I don't speak with a script ever. I don't use a PowerPoint. I just speak based off of the things I know. And so I did become a little bit nervous that I would forget a couple of words. And I did and I have and I've I've moved past it. But yeah, now my chemo brain is a, a, with names and faces. And so, you know, semi-reasonable. I meet, you know, if it's a race weekend of thousands of people, quite often I meet personally at least a few hundred. And uh, I care so much about knowing everybody's names, but apparently that's not really reasonable. So, um, I mean, that's I'm, a I'm, lot I'm, of people to remember. 
it is a lot. I used to be able to do it. So now I just ask again. Now I, I unabashedly say, can you tell me your name again? And they do. And they, I, do, I don't have any sort of ego about my lack of uh, ability to remember hundreds of people's names anymore. Now on your way home from the hospital oh. and you got to ring the bell and you were supposed to go out to dinner with the family and your husband said something like, uh, Parker's not feeling well. We're just going to go home. Right. There was right. Uh, there was a special parade just for yeah. you on the way home. Yeah. So um, so I, I actually I rang the bell for radiation and then for chemo finishing that. And that was, you know, it's interesting with radiation. I didn't have almost any bad effects while it was happening. Some people experience major burns and blisters. I didn't have any of that. So I finished it and I was happy to be done with radiation, but it wasn't incredibly cathartic because I didn't it wasn't a real burden for me. Um, surgery was out of my way, but 15 months of chemo was a really, really long time to endure that kind of, um, toxicity and, you know, my, I was definitely still beaten down from it. And, uh, it COVID nonsense had just started two months prior. So I couldn't even bring my family into the infusion center. I had to go in there alone. And what they did instead of ringing a bell at the chemo place is they would have these little disco parties. So I... <laughs> Even from the start on my first day, somebody had their last day. It's a big room with about 60 chairs. And so I would hear Cool in the Gang celebration. And then uh -huh. I'd see uh, the disco ball, disco lights on the ceiling. And it was all very low key because there was a bunch of sick people in there. But I very much looked forward to my disco party. And I kind of did the disco party alone because, again, I didn't have any family in there with me. But uh -huh. my nurse turned <laughs> the lights and the music on on his station. I went, they un pulled that needle out of me thank goodness i was so happy to have that gone but um i had my little disco party went out into the lobby where my family was waiting and ginger and i we recorded uh, we did tiktok uh, dances to celebrate finishing radiation and finishing chemo so that was kind of fun and uh yeah i had i think i was at chemo when i texted my family i was like you know what when we're done i would like to go have lunch uh at las margaritas i wanted mexican because mm -hmm. of the guacamole and sure <laughs> Sure, sure. So we, we get out there and we get in the car and when we're leaving the hospital, instead of going left towards the restaurant, my husband makes right and I say, uh, we're going out to Las Margaritas. What are you doing? He's like, oh, Parker's stomach's acting up. We have to go home. And man, I just thought, are you kidding me? Have you not seen what I've been through for 15, 15 months? months? The only one thing I want to do is lunch out. I can't even have that, but... I'm not the type to pitch a fit, so I just kind of stewed internally. I thought, damn it. And uh, fortunately, I live maybe five minutes away from the hospital. So we pull in the neighborhood, and um, there's this maybe half-mile-long street you enter on before you turn up my hill, and it was lined with, I don't know, 150 of my neighbors, and they had signs and cowbells, and and they were clapping and cheering, and it was... It was really special. It was very special. I, I get a little choked up even now. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you look back and you think, I can't, I can't believe what I've been through. I can't believe it's over. And so it was this beautiful little parade. And I wish Robin, I was like, drive slower, drive slower, because <laughs> I wanted to see everybody. And um, I got up to, they. he drove me up to my house and there was more people just waiting in my front yard. And there was all these signs planted in the front. and windmills and I get out of the car and then all of the, those neighbors were coming up my street 
that's where it hit me. That's where I buckled over in the middle of the street. Just, you know, it all came out. It was, it was magical. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, I, I went through it. I got through it. None of it was easy, but I'm really good at doing hard things, as are we all when pushed yes. to that point. And um, it was, it was, it was very real. You know, it was that moment that I was like, oh, wow, I really am done. And, and just to be loved like that, to have so much support. Yeah. And, and I don't know all of my neighbors, but there was all there was a lot of friendly faces and then a lot of friendly strangers faces. And um, I'm very, very fortunate for the hardship I went through. I'm still very fortunate. And uh, yeah, those the, that was all very meaningful. What would 2022 Fitz uh, tell Fitz of 2019? Ah, she did a damn good job. She made all the right decisions. It's, you know, when people go through hard times, sometimes they uh, they pivot. You know, they go, oh, I've been not seeing things clearly and I need to go in another direction. And, and when I look back, I think that, holy cow, I had already, I was doing what I love, you know, and I was already surrounded by the people that I love. And so all of this hardship, the potential loss of, of life type thing, uh, just solidified the foundation that I had already built that I was I was in the right career and I, I was on the right path and I just wanted to do more. So um, I'm super grateful I didn't take time off. I think if I had given up my career for a year and a half, uh, my career might have been over. Instead, I built my business while bald, while gray, while very, very sick. Uh, I grew fitness and you know, I stand a little taller now. I'm really proud of me. I don't think I'm anything special. I don't think that I'm any more special than anyone else, but I'm, I'm really proud of me. I made some good decisions and I, I figured it out. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, I had a lot of weird obstacles thrown at me and, you know, I was able to bat them all down or at least endure them. And, and that's sometimes all you can ask, right? That's it. Yeah. That's because you can do hard things. I can do hard things. This is this is the truth, and and I, I uh, I always have faith in me. I always have, but moving forward, gosh, there's really not much I wouldn't do. You know, I I, I really have good faith in me. Which what a weird thing to co- to to come out of something like cancer, but but yeah, I feel more more cocky and confident <laughs> and excited to take on athletic adventure and. Yeah interesting work opportunities and and spend more time telling the people i love that i love them i'm i am so gushy it's annoying i assure you i'm a very annoying friend to have i think you're a good friend to have so what's coming up on your calendar everything everything i'm so happy that the world has finally turned back on um it was weird to come out of all of that sickness where I worked my tail off nonstop and then I was healthy and people were like, no, there's a virus, hide inside. (laughs) And so we're canceling all of your healthy events, which was weird. But 2022 looks fantastic. I'm already booked to announce 25 different race weekends. I'm booked to do a heck of a lot of keynote speaking at corporate events. And uh, I like to go, go, go. And, you know, professionally, things are looking great. I have book number three. Uh, uh, that's in the process of being, ah, you know, how, how close is a book ever to being done? I don't know, but it'll be done this year. The follow-up to my noisy cancer comeback will be a guidebook for others to have a healthy comeback, for, healthy cancer comeback of their own. Nice. And um, yeah, yeah, lots of sports and lots of time with my dogs. 
and maybe some other cute animals, perhaps. Do you plan on running any races anytime soon? Uh, yes. I don't have anything specific on my calendar. It's interesting. I just, uh, the people from TCS, okay. New York City Marathon, they asked me if I wanted a bib. And at first I thought, oh God, here we go again. <laughs> Let me think about it. And then I woke up one morning and I thought, sure, why not? That sounds fun. And then I looked at my calendar and I was already booked to announce that weekend. So I will not be running New York, but I'm really looking forward to finding some obstacle course races oh my. to do when I'm not working. Because I love dirt. I love dirt and mud and uh, OCRs make me laugh a lot. So that's that's tops on my agenda. Good to know. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap this up? Yeah. For those who are facing whatever, maybe you lost your job, maybe one of your kids are sick, maybe you've been diagnosed with something, um, you you got to make good choices. You always have to make good choices that uh, benefit yourself, right? So perspective, that was my right-hand man, because you know what? Someone are, always has it worse. For me, I kept the mindset that I wasn't a kid with cancer and it wasn't my kid with cancer, and so I wasn't gonna have a pity party and I wasn't gonna ask why me, I never did that. I just decided, you know, this is my fate right now and I'm gonna get on with it. Um, I kept involved with my passions, which as you can hear, went a very long way. So whatever you love to do, keep doing it in some regard. If you can't be out on a soccer field playing soccer, but you can watch some soccer on the TV, great just just keep involved with your passions and then uh make a decision to stay positive no matter what because it you get no extra points for being the saddest person in the room and uh, at some point you're responsible for your own happiness no matter what the circumstances so perspective passions positivity remember you can do hard things and uh, thank you for asking because well Telling my own story is, is perhaps kind of interesting to hear. It really is only valuable when I can get others to take responsibility of their own existence and do better and be better. Fitz, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Between Two Runners, a podcast brought to you by Pancakes. Oh,